Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. My internet is terrible, to say the least. Welcome to Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. We have a lot, a lot to talk about, specifically how on earth the Miami Dolphins are going to put together their 53-man roster. But before that, I got to introduce the best co-host in all of the land, Josh Houts. How are we doing today, buddy? We're doing good, man. We got through that first week of free agency. You know, it started out a little bit slower than we expected, but we made it. So I'm doing pretty good, man. How have you been? I'm good. I'm good. Like I said, I've, I've been battling with uh, some internet issues the last couple of days. It seems like I was on like a three-hour timer where where every three hours my internet would go out for three hours. And it was like, you know, you're setting up a nice meal and all of a sudden the tablecloth is just ripped away from you. Uh, so like I said, that's why we're a little bit late on this. But I mean, it gave us a couple couple extra days to prepare or hang out. So so let's get right into this, Josh. I was uh, driving around today listening to a couple podcasts and... Um, the Ringer NFL show was talking about the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me, and what on earth are they doing? They traded three-fifths of their offensive line for, I believe, a third-round pick and two-fifth-round picks. And um, then they gave Kenyon Drake a two-year, like, $14 million deal, which, I mean, sounds bananas in this market. So, so Josh, I'm going to start this off by throwing an absolute heater at you. Uh the Dolphins, they're linked to Aaron Jones. They're linked to Chris Carson as well. It was clear that the Miami Dolphins wanted to add a veteran uh, running back who has a lot of carries under his belt. They added Malcolm Brown, but that, even after that, they were involved with Carson, according to reports. So, Josh, would you trade a second-round pick for Josh Jacobs? Again, I don't know if either side would want to do this. Uh, I just don't know what Oakland's doing, Las Vegas is doing. I'm, I'm never going to stop doing that. And, you know, if, if they're going for the full rebuild, or who knows, maybe they're trying to acquire a bunch of picks to go up and get a quarterback. Who knows? But Josh, would that be a deal you'd look at? I think it would. And, you know, I was going to respond to your question on Twitter, and I realized that we were probably going to talk about in the podcast. But for me, I think, you know, you have to weigh the pros and cons. Would I give a second-round pick for Josh Jacobs if he became available? Absolutely. I mean, he's 23 years old. He's the type of running back we need. But, you know, if it were up to me right now, I see the draft being this close. You know, a 20-year-old Javante Williams. I mean, this guy's not even old enough to drink yet. I mean, look at the backs in this class, and I think, you know, that's kind of where I'd lean. But would I give up a second-round pick if he became available? Absolutely. And I think the key is that, you know, he's under contract for another three years. And and something, you know, the, the key of re- the big reason why I wanted Aaron Jones is because I think this team needs some older guys. I, I think it was uh, Jason Sarney, is that his name? He, he tweeted out that uh, the Dolphins are the only team in the NFL with no players over the age of 30. 
Uh, so, I mean, I just think they need that little bit of experience. Obviously, Miles Gaskins been there for a couple of years. Malcolm Brown's been in the NFL for a few years. But something about having a starting running back who has uh, some flash and some experience at the NFL level. Again, Najee Harris, it's the group of running backs coming in who are projected to be first and second round picks. They could be awesome. I don't know. I just want that little extra bit. Uh, Josh, we got some rumors going on here. and. Before we move on from the Josh Jacobs thing, I got to ask you, do you have him in fantasy football? Is this kind of the, the whole premise behind oh, it? <laughs> I do. I do. That, but that I, nothing to do I know, with I know, I know. <laughs> I, I mean, that, I, that's, that'd be a nice bonus, though. You always want to root for the guys on your team, right? Yeah, and you really don't know what Chucky's doing there with the Raiders. So, I mean, if he became available, I mean, the Dolphins would probably jump at it. Uh, the biggest news of the day, at least going around on Twitter, or at least from what I saw, is these New England Dolphin press conferences, Jake. And I use that word because I think they got Ray McMillan now. We know Kyle Van Noy's up there. Devon Godshaw. The biggest comment came from Kyle Van Noy, and it was kind of a no comment. He was asked, you know, what the difference between Brian Flores, the linebacker coach, and Brian Flores, the head coach, was. And he said no comment. Reports suggest that, you know, he wasn't happy with the media. You know, maybe he was one of those veterans that spoke up. And, you know, could you really fault someone if they sat there and said, you know, why are you putting two in over Fitzpatrick? I mean, we can't sit here and argue that Ryan Fitzpatrick, at least at the beginning of the year, didn't give the Dolphins the best chance to win. But besides that, Zach Cox of New England Sports Network said that Van Noy seemed pretty motivated to face the Dolphins this season. He quoted Van Noy saying, I know everything they do down there. It's going to be good. And then just one more thing here, Greg A. Bedard, uh, national writer, he won a podcast and he went out there and he said, you know, and I do believe this is a quote maybe from Kyle Van Noy, but he said, from talking to players, they believe it's a bad situation there in Miami. He admits that he did say that. So, Jake, a lot to unfold here. What are your thoughts on all this? Is there anything to it or is this just a guy that, you know, thought he was going to be in Miami long term and got the axe? I mean, we're at a point in the NFL season because it's longer than the 16 games. Now, where there are no wins and losses, so all we can really deal with are hypotheticals and he said, she said, and why my opinion is right and yours is wrong. Um, when I, I like the no comment comment because there's no way he could say anything good, right? There's no way he could come out and say, uh, Brian Flores is a better linebackers coach. All of a sudden, you're bashing a head coach and all of a sudden, you're putting bulletin board material up. I think that's kind of key. I mean, Kyle Van Noy was cut. Right after one year, and if he was a guy in the locker room who was voicing uh, opposite opinions than the direction of the team was going, I mean, he's going to be even more upset, right? That he was kicked out of the door because of those opinions. Uh, but it, like I said, you're going to be upset when your uh, employer fires you, lets you go, even if they gave you $15 million more than you're going to make in your entire next contract combined over the next few years in New England. Uh, but another key here is Bedard, if you click on his Twitter account, it goes. It says he writes for Boston.com. He works for Boston.com. Everybody here has an agenda, um, including him. Kyle Vannoy telling him this stuff makes so much sense, maybe too much sense, and maybe we're overlooking uh, another possible situation here. Uh, but Brian Flores is doing exactly what Bill Belichick has done for all these years. You cut a player, or you, excuse me, you just move on from a player a year too early rather than a year too late. Uh, Vannoy, he had that injury. Uh, Again, we think he might have been one of those guys who talked out about Tua and the Miami Herald podcast that's been mentioned quite a bit of times, especially on this podcast, where, where both Armando Silguero and Adam Beasley said that nobody in that locker room is really going to miss Van Noy. And, and that makes a lot of sense that maybe he's the one, you know, who was complaining where the rest of the team, very young, you know, you're working, you're growing together, you know there's going to be mistakes, where he's out there trying to win now and be perfect. 
Yeah, and I just have to laugh because he sat there and said, you know, he already knows what the Dolphins do down there. And I mean, I don't know if he means internally or, you know, from a football standpoint, but let's be honest, this team's going to look so much different next year that uh, you just kind of have to laugh at that. But you're right. Everyone here has an agenda and we can't read too much in this. You know, it's all speculation, but, um, you know, this Dolphins-Patriots rivalry was already, you know, going to another stratosphere. This just adds another layer on top of, you know, this endless back and forth between exchanging of players. I'm excited. And this got me excited because, you know, for as far away as football season is, you know, this is just part of that soap opera that slowly, slowly builds you up and gets you ready for the season. Yeah, and and that's what this offseason is about. It's about having fun. I mean, and maybe not like we're oh we're happy Kyle Van Noy is saying bad things about the team, but but it's the intrigue, it's the drama that you don't get on a game day. Well, I mean, you do get it on game day, but that only happens uh, sixteen times a year. Josh, let's take a quick break here, and on the other side, we're going to talk about some Miami Patriots after talking about the New England Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Josh, we had some pleasant news come through the airwaves, the Twitter sphere, wherever you get your information from today. And that is that the Dolphins are signing, re-signing a Landon Roberts linebacker. Awesome against the run. Uh, he was a very fun player for the Dolphins in 2020. He was always making big plays. Josh, he tackled a guy through another guy. It's just a shame that that guy's now on the Miami Dolphins in Malcolm Brown. And we could get into the excuses, how Gerald Everett's probably not a blocking tight end, and he was put in a bad situation there. But it doesn't matter. He tackled the guy through another guy. The Dolphins are the people who broke this news. They came out and tweeted it. Uh, last year's deal is worth $2 million. I can't see it being much more than that. They didn't really release the numbers. Uh, unless it's an agent, I don't think those numbers really do get released. And on top of that, too, uh, last year, like I said, $2 million. If the contract this year stays at one point seven five million or below uh that doesn't impact the comp uh comp pick formula so that's something to keep in mind too especially with this deal um i kind of thought that the trade for mckinney doomed any type of vision for roberts to come back this year but it seems that clearly i was wrong uh he had 61 tackles last year one and a half sacks eight tackles for a loss before the season ending knee injury against the raiders I like the signing, and you're right. Once they got McKinney and, you know, some of these other moves, you really didn't expect it. But what we saw of Landon Roberts last year was 61 total tackles, one and a half sacks. And, I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, it, this isn't going to change the Dolphins' draft plans. You know, this isn't going to completely change the look of, of how they play on the field. But let's be honest. Like you said, this guy is a missile. He is a stout against the run, and he shoots those gaps like we just haven't seen. I mean, you mentioned it. I posted the video. I mean, he blew up Malcolm Brown and Gerald Everett in the backfield. There's a stop that he had on Frank Gore on fourth and one. I mean, the ageless wonder Frank Gore. I mean, this guy met him head on, stopped him short of the first down. So it's a nice step signing. I love that they brought him in. And the dark grind is going to continue. So I like this signing. Again, I don't think this contract is going to be big like you alluded to. But it's definitely uh, more depth. And again, it's a player that's familiar with the system. It certainly sounds like the Miami Dolphins, too. Like, you know, every year, everyone does, like, all the 53-man roster projecting it. This year, it's going to be legitimately hard to put the Miami Dolphins' uh 53-man roster together. I need to shout out Aaron Sutton because I bring this up all the time. Uh, he he brought up the year that Jordan Phillips was cut by the Dolphins, and he said before camp that he'd be a guy who was cut, and that absolutely blew my mind that the Dolphins did it. 
and you know they did it anyway so shout out to him and that's what's going to happen this year i think a couple of guys who you expected to make the roster might not do it uh we know the dolphins still need a little bit of help at outside linebacker but it seems right now that they have like you mentioned a good amount of depth at the inside linebacker with mckinney roberts jerome baker sam mcguavin and kelvin munson uh you don't know how many of those guys they're going to keep poor five of them probably uh with, with maybe uh Aguavin and munson fighting for that final spot I mean, you're right. Every year, it's hard to sit here and predict the 53-man roster. And this year, I mean, we're going to sit here and talk about the positions, you know, during the offseason. But, I mean, we see that now with the receivers. I mean, we were sitting here talking about, you know, what were the Dolphins going to do at receiver. And when you factor in a rookie, I mean, they're up to, what, 12, 13 that are going to be on the roster. So, lots of surprise cuts. I do remember uh, when Aaron Sutton brought up that Jordan Phillips. And that was just, you know, that's some Nostradamus stuff. So, hat tip to him. But I just, it's, it's exciting because, again, they have lots of depth. They have lots of players who... To, to be honest, a lot of these guys, you know, still haven't come into their own, still haven't shown all that they can show as far as the players. So I'm excited to see which of these guys can, you know, become that middle piece of that Dolphins defense. The Dolphins have been looking for a Zach Thomas for about 15 years now, and that's absolutely what they need. Uh, how did the Dolphins make this move, you might ask? Um, they have about $10 million in cap space and added a million dollars on that by cutting Isaiah Wilson just a week after uh, trading for him. Uh, but they do save the million bucks, which is kind of important. Uh, there was some news that came out today that he was involved in a chase, uh, high speed with the police trying to avoid them. Uh, it's a tough situation, man. It's a 22-year-old who got into a lot of money. I mean, it seems like there's a little more than bad decisions going on here. I hope this guy does get some help. Uh, there was a Miami Herald story came out that he was late to a physical, late to orientation, and skipped two workouts he was committed to. And then video surfaced of him dancing on a car and then driving around in another one. Um, I don't know who was driving that car. It looked like him and uh, the passenger were both on their phone singing. And it looked like they were in the front seat. So I don't really know what was going on there. I guess it really boils down to, you know, he might just not care about football at 22 years old. It might not be what he wants to do with his entire life. Obviously, you know, it, as us sitting here, it might be a no-brainer. Like, oh, you know, you're making millions of dollars. You should just go and do this. I mean, I don't know if it's always that simple for someone who's especially still a kid. I think we just all got to remember, again, you're right, he's 22 years old. I mean, we've all made mistakes, but I think someone, and you hope someone within his inner circle, you know, kind of talks to him and gets this under control because it is scary. I think they hit up to, what, 104 mile per hour speeds. I mean, mm -hmm. it honestly sounded like, you know, the next downloadable content for Grand Theft Auto, and that's scary. I think some fans are sitting here now, you know, they're bringing Sewell back into the, to the conversation, and that's just crazy to me that they ever even took him out of there, you know, yeah. because of this signing. Um, I, some people might be upset with the way it worked out, but uh, I still don't fault the Dolphins for going out there and at least trying because, again, this was a first-round pick a year ago, a guy that if the Dolphins were able to kind of, you know, get him on the right path, who knew what could come of it? But it sounds like, you know, he's more trouble than the Dolphins or any other team at this moment can truly fix. And, again, you just wish the best for Isaiah Wilson. So, Josh, I was excited for Isaiah Wilson because not only would he be with people around his age in Austin Jackson – uh, Big Bob Hunt, Solomon Kinley, all these type of guys. Uh, but the center of the Miami Dolphins just signed, and Travis Wingfield of the Miami Dolphins shared this quote, and it was just talking about how much the Dolphins value culture, they value locker room, how it seems like Brian Flores would literally sit down with any player on the roster and talk about life, talk about how they can both improve. And, and that, I thought, would be the perfect situation for Wilson. However, uh, it doesn't even sound like they went that far. Um, but moving on here, Josh. Uh, back to the 53-man roster. 
Miami's receiving room, you mentioned it, is absolutely loaded, and it is only going to get more cramped from here, especially with the idea that the Miami Dolphins are going to draft a wide receiver at number three, at number eight, if they move the Panthers somewhere in the top 15 of the first round. It certainly seems like this team is going to add wide receivers. And they added one today, uh, today being Wednesday. The team re-signed Mac Hollins. That was made official today. I think it was actually announced yesterday being Tuesday. My apologies about that. Uh, he caught that wild pass from Tua against the Cardinals and, of course, the Fitzmagic play against the Raiders. Uh, while he is a receiver, I think he's a big part of the Dolphins do on special teams, and I think that's why he, uh, the bigger reason why he was brought back. Uh, Josh, let's talk about these wide receivers and how on earth they're going to figure out what is going to happen here. Uh, I'm just going to run them out real quick. Under contract currently are Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Preston Williams, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, Lynn Bowden Jr., Matt Collins, Alan Hearns, Robert Foster, Kirk Mayer, and Malcolm Perry, all under contract. And there was a video that just came out, I think it was actually Wednesday, that Tua was working out with Jakeem Grant. And Josh, even before the preseason starts, I think they're going to start making some cuts here. So how are they going to decide who to get rid of, who to keep? Obviously, they're already re-signing a couple of these guys. Could something like Jakeem Grant working out with Tua be what he needs to stay on this roster? I mean, something as little as that. And then when you add his value as a return, man, I mean, that could be the difference. But I mean, I, you asked me this loaded question, but you had to bring up Jakeem Grant. And it's just so hard to move on from that because I make jokes, you know, it took Tannehill seven years. He was a receiver. Jakeem Grant's heading into year six, Jake. When are we going to finally, you know, move on from this? So mm-hmm. if I'm looking at this, I mean, you have here, you know, some of these guys are practice squad eligible. I think that's where Kirk Merritt and Malcolm Perry start. I mean, I don't even know if Kirk Merritt really has value here, but Malcolm Perry, I think he's one of those guys that'll stick around. I also think they signed Kai Loxley, correct? So I think that's another name yeah. on, in this group that's here. So, I mean, th- th- this is a loaded room. So he's another guy that can be practice squad eligible. But I do think we can lock in Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, and Preston Williams if healthy. I still think Albert Wilson, I mean, again, that contract, I think you actually, you know, it, it benefits you more if you just keep him on the roster. So I think that's where that stays. And then Matt Collins, you mentioned him. They brought him here to be that special teams ace. I think that's truly why they picked him up off waivers. So, um, for me, maybe Alan Hearns and Robert Foster. I mean, that's another name that they gave one of those contracts to that, you know, um, could be a cap casualty. So a loaded room, Jake. And like you said, they're going to add to it in the draft. And, you know, that's just assuming they only draft one receiver. So um, we asked them to get two weapons. And, you know, maybe these aren't those uh, big names like you expect. But there's some talent and speed on this roster. Right before you throw your thoughts out there, Jake, I want to ask you this. Did you see the T.Y. Hilton contract? I mean, he's making $10 million. He's making a equivalent to what Will Fuller's making in Miami. That's just crazy to me so um you know this receiving group is ultimately going to carry this Dolphins team in 2021 and showcase what two is truly capable of so lots of very very interesting moves and I think you know you mentioned Matt Collins being a value of special teams we said Jukeen Grant as well something like that could be what keeps one of these guys on the roster and it's important to keep in mind too that just because the Dolphins have 13 wide receivers under contract they might, you know, I'm I going to contradict what I just said. They might end up keeping 13 wide receivers, storing whoever they can on the practice squad because a lot of these guys have injury history. Uh, I think, let's start with uh, Will Fuller, excuse me. He hasn't played a full 16-game season since his rookie year. Uh, we know Devontae Parker, he's played one full season in his career. Preston Williams has yet to play a full year. He's about to enter his third year. So who knows? Maybe they're going to keep all these guys and hope they can plug and play because, like I say over and over, Football's a tough sport. You're going to get hurt. It's just kind of the way it goes. Um, I think it's important for us to take a minute and look at the Miami Dolphins salary cap because even uh, before David Andrews signed to go back to New England, the Dolphins were in the running 
uh, for him all the way to the end. And the team currently has $10 million in cap space. They need more than that just to sign their rookie class that's coming in. So the fact that they're going out and still pursuing free agents tells me that there's got to be some sort of moves coming for this team. Uh, Albert Wilson, cutting him, saves nearly $3 million. Alan Hearns, 800000 Preston Williams, eight point five. I'm not advocating. I'm just kind of go, looking at different directions this team might go in. Uh, Munson and Aguavin each, or 150K. Uh, same with Preston Williams. Then you can kind of go into the Bobby McCain, $6 million. Jesse Davis, $2.5. Uh, Clayton Pagetalum, $2.5. Jakeem Grant, 3 And I believe you can restructure Byron Jones to free up about $9 million in cap space. Just some of these moves are bound to happen. Otherwise, th- this team is working with a cap that we just aren't understanding. And you're you're going down some of these names, and you're still wondering why. You know, why is Clayton Fajilium still on the roster? I mean, something like that. And you know, Brian Byron Jones. I mean, that's a contract that absolutely should be restructured. So there's lots of names here. I mean, you can nitpick, and I think maybe the biggest one here that could potentially you know, be cut aside from a Jakeem Grant or, you know, some of these other guys, Bobby McCain. I mean, we Mm -hmm. saw the difference that he made when he was in the lineup there at safety. But again, this is a player that I think for years that we've been saying, you know, they could still upgrade the position. We'd hope they did it last year, honestly, in the draft. So is that a guy that's expendable? I think, again, he's one of those players that us fans might not truly see how valuable he is. But um, there's a list here. And, and, you know, some of those guys, like a Preston Williams, you won't even really, you know, there's no reason to even think about cutting him. And Alan Hearns, I mean, that's the same thing. Wouldn't you rather just bring him into camp and let him see if he can, you know, become that player he once was, what, catching passes from Blake Bortles? So lots of wiggle room here. And, again, it goes back to something we talked about on previous podcasts, and that is that the cap is 100% fake. Yeah, no, you're, you're 100% right, but you do have to be under a certain number. And again, I'm not advocating for them to really cut any of those guys. A lot of those guys are making less than a mil. Uh, you, you're going to have to cut four of them to sign, you know, one mid-tier free agent, right? Yeah, so and I'm, how much is the is this with the draft class factored in, or is this... I this do not is, believe so. Okay, so I think the draft class I heard was 12.5 or something exactly. like that. So, so, so they're in trouble. So yeah, I see what you're trouble, saying. Here. But they got, they got to do a little work here, and these are just some of those they can make, and who knows... They might get some other guys to renegotiate their contracts, which would uh, be pretty interesting. Josh, let's talk about our quarterback for just a second here. Uh, One, Tua must be a fan of the podcast because he's still posting pictures of him just looking absolutely jacked. Uh, And then I want to bring up this uh, quote from Scott uh, Pioli. He was a former assistant GM in Atlanta. He was on NFL Network talking about Mac Jones stock and the fact that Mac Jones stock is rising. And what Pioli said is what sticks out to me is how much his teammates love him. Huh. All of a sudden, you look at those Devontae Smith quotes and everyone else from Alabama saying that Mac Jones, uh, they like him more than Tua. All of a sudden, you can understand why. And, and who knows? Maybe it is true. Maybe they like Mac Jones more. But this is what they wanted to accomplish. The fact that someone is out here saying that his stock is rising because his teammates love him, that's a home run for whatever the whoever kind of planted this. If anyone planted it, again, it could be 100% true. Just the idea of preaching how much everyone loves Mac Jones because it's, it's clearly helping his draft stock. Yeah, I don't get it. And I was going to make a joke, but I didn't want people to get upset and take it literal. But they call him Mac Jones, and I was going to call him Macaroni Jones because it looked like he was throwing some ducks out there. I mean, I don't know if you saw him, but there were 60-yard bombs. And, uh, you know, it looked like the receivers were sitting there waiting on it. But uh, it's exactly what we kind of expected. You know, his teammates from this year, you know, uh, Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman because he was working there with Mac Jones. That's all that was. But it's just crazy to see him slowly start to climb up draft boards. And I think as a lot of people are starting to say, you know, that's that perfect quarterback for Belichick in New England. So that's a little bit scary because, or as little as I don't like uh, Mac Jones, to think of him in New England, I mean, that could be a little scary. It's just kind of hilarious to me how these Alabama guys, I mean, being, again, kids, not even professionals, yeah, are, are playing the media like absolute titles. So, so you love to see that. 
Uh, speaking of the media, uh, let's end with the Mel Kuyper's draft, his 3.0. Again, I, I don't understand why anyone puts .0. I don't know if it's to make it sound fancier. But who on earth does half a draft, right? So his 3.0 came out, and before we dive into what the Miami Dolphins did, I'm going to say this, Josh, starting next Monday, we are going to do a mock draft every Monday. We're going to hamstring ourselves uh, different ways each week, so it's not like we're going to be taking uh, Jamar Chase at three every time or, dra- or trading with the Panthers every time because these mock drafts, I mean, not a lot of them really hit home runs here in terms of what actually happens, and that's okay, right? Things change. Uh, we're not inside the team's headquarters. We don't know what everyone's thinking, so these are just predictions. About to have a little fun with it, so we'll do that starting next week. But, Josh, can you walk me through what the Dolphins did in Mel Kuyper's most recent draft? Well, I was just going to say, first and foremost, my Shakespeare quote is that mock drafts are like buttholes and everyone has one. So you and I, we're going to be diving in there. You know, we're going to use pro football focus. We're going to use pro football network, and we're going to use draft network, and we're going to come up with different ways that the Dolphins can approach this draft class. And the same way that Mel Kuyper and that beautiful toupee or whatever it is that he wears, he has the Dolphins trading back with the Panthers, which is something that we've talked about you know, often on the podcast, but he has them taking Jalen Waddle. Devontae Smith goes to the Lions at seven. Waddle, we know the injury history. We know that, you know, he has a similar skill set. We hear the comps to, you know, Tyree Kill. I mean, this is that player that a lot of people think if he was healthy last year, could maybe be the number one wide receiver in this class. But to think that the Dolphins are going to trade down and go Jalen Waddle, I mean, I think I'd be pretty excited for that. But that is kind of the you know, the situation Dolphins would be in. They could potentially trade back there with the Panthers, and everyone wants the Dolphins to acquire more draft picks, but this could be what they're faced with. Jamar Chase to the Eagles, Devontae Smith to the Lions, and then you're set there with, uh, you know, Jalen Waddle, or, you know, maybe someone jumps you and takes him, and then then you're in no man's land. So you could make an argument as to why the Dolphins should not trade back in this class is in case they wanted a Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase in this situation. Yeah, and, and like I've said before, I think my opinion is starting to uh, change. If somebody jumps and the first, what, six picks are, are three quarterbacks and three wide receivers, give me Kyle Pitts. Let, let's let's run it. Let's let's do it just like that. Um, I wouldn't approach the draft and, and a possible trade with the idea of being too scared that you're not going to get one of your guys because that means Sowell's dropping quite a bit. Uh, like I said, Pitts and, and pick number 18, all of a sudden, you know, use some of the capital if you do a trade down date. You come right back up, and you can maybe get two of these guys, which would be incredible. It might be a little bit of my madman theory, uh, but it's worth noting. And Waddle would be interesting because it's kind of uh, Will Fuller security in the sense that they both are, are those really quick burner guys. And having two of them for Tua uh, would just be uh, another bonus because he's always been someone who can find that open guy. And if there are people running deep, I, I'm sure Tua will not overlook that. And Jake, with the 18th overall pick, Kuiper has the Dolphins taking a Miami Hurricane pass rusher, Jalen Phillips. We know the injury concerns are with concussions there at UCLA, but this guy has all the tools to be a game-changing uh, you know, pass rusher for the Dolphins and be that speed on the outside that they need. So uh, you know, trading down and, and being able to get Jalen Waddle and Jalen Phillips, I mean, that fills two very big needs for the Dolphins. And you know, I think that would be a pretty damn good draft, at least from Mel Kuiper's standards. Absolutely. I, I'd be cool with that, too. And then, you know, you just start bringing up questions. What are they going to do at center? What are they going to do at running back? And all of a sudden that honestly, this scenario is why I brought up the Josh Jacobs trade. What is Las Vegas doing? And two, the Dolphins, I think, still need that bell cow running back. Uh, I think that'd be an interesting trade to look at. So, so Josh, I, I think this is getting to an interesting time because I think we're just about a month away from the draft. And, you know, it's getting interesting. There's a lot of smoke coming out and soon we might see a little bit of fire. 
I hope we do. And, you know, Jake, right, real quick before we wrap it up, is there any free agents out there that you truly want the Dolphins to go after? I know we talked about in previous podcasts. I talked about my love for Jadavian Clowney and how I believe he fits what the Dolphins need. Now that Shaq Lawson's gone, he's the perfect fit for Brian Flores, so that would be my choice. But, Jake, is there any free agents still out there that you have your eye on? Him or, or Melvin Ingram, one of those pass rushers. Again, I don't know how old the Dolphins are going to go. Uh, having such a young roster, you saw the Kyle Vano experience being the second oldest guy. I mean, in reality, and I'm not going to try to paint either of these guys in a horrible light, in terms of the you know biggest drama starters on this team, it was the two guys who were over 30, Kyle Van Noy and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm not trying to paint either of these guys in a, in a negative light, but that's just kind of how it was, Fitzpatrick, you know, being disappointed when he was not in the starter, understandable. Uh, but but that's just kind of where the Dolphins are, so I really don't know if they're going to try to approach anyone who is over the age of 30. I just had an epiphany. I believe there was a video or something from the sidelines where uh, Kyle Van Noy and Ryan Fitzpatrick were doing a handshake and joking around. So, I mean, maybe these two guys were, you know, uh, a little click and kind of the whole thing that started this drama in the first place. But, Jake, I think this has been an awesome show. I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on, but – um, we are definitely going to be back later in this week. I think you and I want to do a report card on the first week of free agency, kind of go through and grade each of these signings and some of the trades. So uh, is there anything else you want to say before we get off? Most importantly, if you're enjoying this show, you know it was going to go here. Hit that subscribe button so you know the second a new podcast will hit the airwaves. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find us there. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a review, leave a comment. Uh, those things really help us out a lot, and we greatly appreciate it. Uh, House, he's always tweeting something. Today he beat me to um, Landon Roberts tackling Malcolm Brown through Gerald Everett. Uh, you follow him on Twitter at H-O-U-T-Z. And if you would like a little Dolphins talk, a couple of hypotheticals mixed in with some uh, high school sports talk, head over to at jmendel94 where you can find me. Josh, been a wild ride. Free agency starting to calm down just a little bit, but it's enough to get us right into the draft. And we will be here every step of the way, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. That was Fins up, baby. Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we